they're able to derive a longer and more sustained sense uh, of enjoyment and, and happiness and joy from the things they have, from their family, from their job, from their car. A lot of that comes from a sense of gratitude. And, and instead of immediately trying to go to the next thing, like the people of, in, in the world of hunger, people that are in the world of rapture actually kind of feel the sense of gratitude toward these things, that they have these things, and it helps them enjoy a more sustained type of happiness. Now, look, it can, again, the world of rapture is still a delusion because you can lose those things, right? Um, and so the things that gain you the biggest joy could plunge you into the world of hell if you lose them. Uh, somebody dies. I mean, something, it could be something tragic or not, but that does not take away from the fact that the amount sustained and the level of happiness you can gain from it because of tremendous sense of gratitude is one of the best ways to, to uh, extend and enhance the amount of happiness you feel from the things that you have. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today with us, we have Ash Eldifrawi, who has built a reputation as a thought leader in clinical, social, and consumer psychology. He recently published his book, The Ten Worlds, The New Psychology of Happiness which he and his co-author spent over two decades researching the answer to this question. What is happiness? After transitioning to a career in marketing, he has held senior positions at companies including Google, McKinsey, Wrigley, GoGo, and currently Redbox. He's been featured in The Economist, Forbes, Bloomberg, Fast Money, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, CNBC, and many, many others. He also co-wrote a television pilot called Sessions that was optioned by DreamWorks Television. Ash lives in Hinsdale, Illinois, with his wife and two children. And I'm really happy to have him here because we will talk a lot about what happiness is, and how we can enjoy it, all of us. Thank you so much for, for being here. Thanks, George, and that was quite an introduction. I uh, really appreciate it and happy to be here. My pleasure, my pleasure. So let's get right through to it, right? So how do you define happiness? I'm really curious. I know that in, in your book, um, you have a very interesting perspective about happiness and what happiness is. And uh, I'm really curious to see how you define it. Yeah, so, you know, we spent, you mentioned we spent a couple of decades uh, researching the answer to that question. And the, the, emer the hypothesis that emerged early that we then spent a majority of the time, time proving or disproving was that happiness solely and completely is determined by what your beliefs about what happiness is. Mm. So not, not so much from the things or your events or circumstances, beliefs about what happiness is. And so we actually, you know, starting with literally, you know, examining the millennial of observations from philosophers about this all the way to the most cutting, you know, edge neurological research and then, and then framing it in, in clinical cases, 
we think that we actually uh, prove that hypothesis. And not only is happiness based on your beliefs about happiness, yes, because you could argue that there's as many beliefs about happiness as there are people. Mm-hmm. But we found that if we took all the beliefs individually these people have, they slot into what we call 10 fundamental beliefs mm-hmm. about happiness that capture all of them. And that we further argue that nine of those are actually incorrect if you believe they'll bring you lasting happiness, which we call the nine core delusions. Hmm. Okay. That that sounds very interesting. And uh, having, having read them, um, I tend to agree with you. Like I, I found myself in a little bit in each, in each of them somehow. Um, and I know that we in different parts of our life we we tend to be in one or another right yes and so when you say one to the other what what he's referring to is the world so we we basically argue that that these beliefs are so powerful so fundamental that they actually create different sort of life states or life conditions we call them which is really the you know the coming together of your thoughts your beliefs your energy all the things that make up your inner life state uh, which we then call the wor- worlds, uh, life conditions or worlds, and that we that the 10 beliefs form 10 fundamental worlds. And yes, we do can move in and out of different ones, and we can actually experience that those different beliefs at different times. But we argue that we all, all each of us have a, a tendency or a, a one belief that we tend to come back to the most, which is our core life tendency, and that's, so, so to speak, the world in which we come from but we definitely can enter all the other ones at different times. Yeah, and how how does that work? Like, uh, are we born happy or unhappy? Do we learn this? Yeah, so it's interesting, right? Because the whole debate of nature versus nurture has gone on forever. When I was a, when I was studying psychology, it was really at its, at its apex in terms of nature versus nurture. What I, what I can come to tell you is that I don't think that there's one right answer. I think that genetics and your situations and your environment and your culture all play a role uh, in how that how it forms. You know, in this book, we basically you know have ten clinical cases in which we examine each of these worlds through somebody's experience and through trying to work to understand that belief. And what became clear in each of those is that the you know us trying to uncover the reasons people held on to certain beliefs you know, in each different case is different. Some of them were from traumatic experiences. Some of them were from upbringing. Some of them seem to be just hardwired into people. So it really, you know, depends on so so many different things. But at the end of the day, you know, that well, that helps to understand that. I think it's more important to recognize that belief in yourself and ask yourself whether it's actually serving you well or not so you can examine it. And the, if you're hanging on to it really hard, there's certain belief very hard, which means that for you, it kind of gets activated all the time. Then yeah, then maybe you do need to start really examining what's going on. And maybe in examining it, you uncover something that helps you free yourself of it, which is kind of what people do in therapy, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, you anticipated one of my questions, like uh, how can we change our beliefs? Because we have uh, some beliefs that uh, indeed protect us and uh, somehow keep us away from happiness and um, it's important to know what we can do about them because living in any of the nine worlds that you mentioned in the book isn't ideal for for any of us right 
Yeah, well, you know, so it's so let's so I can give you my example. So I come from the world of tranquility, and the world of tranquility, the core belief of that world is that happiness comes from avoiding pain, and primarily emotional pain. Now, I actually did not think that's the world I came from when I started writing this book. Um, <laughs> I actually believe that I came from a, a world called the world of uh, learning or the world of realization, which is much more about happiness being derived from personal growth, and, and that's the case of the world of realization or happiness comes from creating value or meaning in the world, which is the world of learning. That's what I was hoping. But I, it turns out when I really examined myself, the world of, of tranquility is really about the world of seeking peace of mind um, and seeking security uh, and really being governed by, you know, that need in your life. And so as you can imagine, you know, you know spending a life trying to seek sort of peace of mind, by controlling, you know, trying to avoid negative outcomes or being conservative is really a fruitless effort because bad things happen. You know, you face these decisions all the time uh, and you worry so much about making the wrong decision because you think if you make the wrong decision, then that's going to make me unhappy and my peace of mind goes away. And so you're sort of, I realized that that was really, in some ways it was serving me well because I didn't make impulsive decisions. I wasn't really a pleasure seeker. I didn't take risks, unnecessary risks. I was pretty conservative. But I also, what was really not serving me well was the amount of anxiety and stress it was causing me when I faced any kind of like major life decision, or even small decisions, like which job should I take? Should we move? Should I get married? Should we have kids? Should we, you know, what do they, should they go to school? Like every one of those things, I was under the delusion that if I didn't get it right, that my happiness was dependent on it, which is just not, which is not true. So, so like, so any, like any of these worlds, in some ways it can serve you well, in some ways it doesn't. Now, the way I be, I've been able to actually, you know, free myself to some, now that I actually understand that and have examined it, I find myself a lot freer of it. When I start feeling this anxiety or feeling this stuff, I start reminding myself that this is actually a delusion or belief that, that, that is fundamentally just not true in governing me. And, it, and it, it's really helped me. I mean, it obviously doesn't solve the issue and I haven't really tried to explore. Oh, that's not true. I've explored why I think this, that's, that's the case for me. But it's given me a lot of power over just to be able to reflect and observe it and see whether it served me well or not over the past. So the first thing is to identify the belief, bring it to your conscious mind, and then start asking yourself, how has this served me well or not? And has it helped? Is it, has it ended up being true? Have I really gained happiness from this belief? And I think most people realize that they haven't. Spend more time outside with fresh air in your lungs and healthier habits in your schedule by eliminating the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning up after each meal. Stress-free eating is just one click away this spring. Factor's delicious meals range from calorie-smart, keto, protein plus, to vegan and veggie, and they're ready in just two minutes. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Also, Discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. Head to factormeals.com gratitude50 and use code gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's gratitude50 at factormeals.com gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hmm, that's that's so interesting. And I actually uh, found something uh, that I 
in, in your book that I didn't think that uh, I had inside of me. And uh, it has to do with the emotion of anger. Yes. And, um, and it's very interesting that it's not what you would think. Like, um, it says something like, people trapped in the world of anger are obsessively concerned about being viewed uh, positively by other positively by positively, others positively right um, by others in, in any way and that i thought that was so so interesting that um, some anger that's inside gets out in this way like uh, you would think that only people that are expressing the anger actually have it you know and I thought that was so, so interesting. Yeah, the world of anger is a really interesting world because people, when they first hear the world, they think about it as somebody who expresses a lot of anger. But in fact, that's not the case. The world of anger is really the world of sort of insecurity and ego. Mm-hmm. And it's, and by the way, you know, some of the greatest people in the world, some of the greatest CEOs, inventors, so on, have come from the world of anger because they've been fueled by an insecurity or some need to come drive to achieve or overcome, you know, that, We've heard all these cliches about the chip on their shoulder uh, or what have you. Great athletes, right, have been driven by this, this need to be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some, some, some part, you have to have, you have to come, part of it is to come from this world in some ways to achieve great things. However, as you can imagine, the negative manifestations of this are pretty epic. And I see a lot, of, I used to see a lot of these because this is also the world of jealousy, the world of rage, the world of need to control others, the world of philandering, the world of, you know, unnecessary competitive nature. Um, and so, you know, all these negative, there's different negative manifestations and, and that the reality is insecurity and ego is really anger toward inward. Like, um, so and we, and we kind of examine in, in the book why usually that insecurity, that feeling like small uh, and, the, and the need to make yourself feel bigger than others by making others feel small is rooted in this idea of the self-loathing or self-anger you have towards yourself. And, only can, when you free yourself from that can you sort of um, can sort of move on and, and, and gain a grip on this world. Um, and it sometimes does manifest itself in anger, but it's not fundamentally how you always see it. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. And another thing about this that I thought was also quite fascinating was the fact that anger can disguise itself as exaggerated benevolence. Yes. I mean, and so you think about, um, you know, it's, it's this kind of false grinning or, you know, we, we, we've all talked about it in a way. Yes, it could actually come across as a way of, of sort of ingratiating yourself in this way that's not really genuine, but it's in, a, in essence a way to sort of control or manage or feel superior to others, but it manifests itself in a very different way. So it's absolutely absolutely right it's it's not what it seems because this what's under the surface is not at all what's actually bubbling up to the top yeah and I, I thought that was so interesting that um i i didn't see myself as an angry person but if i if i look a little bit more uh, a little bit deeper inside i i can trace some anger and i'm guessing that there is some anger that isn't uh um like it's, it's not put out there and it's not dealt with maybe uh, in a healthy way. And it's it's very interesting because I thought that if I am, for instance, benevolent, that, that means that I'm just a good person. Uh, but the many things that make me angry, I'm not expressing. And 
that that doesn't mean that uh, the anger doesn't exist and that 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 uh, i thought was very interesting that's great that's amazing I'm, i'm george i'm so happy that it's helped you self-reflect because anger is one of the most commonly suppressed emotions human beings know how to kind of bury uh but it you know and we're very good at it because it's not always appropriate to demonstrate uh but and so but everybody experiences it and feels it in some way so you just have to understand uh exactly what you're examining and what roles are playing in your life and so that's that's great yeah and the interesting thing is that uh what i feel and what i i understand from this is that some behaviors and some beliefs uh can if if we understand what what's behind them like if i know that i'm maybe exaggerate exaggeratedly uh, benevolent uh comes from anger if i do something about the anger i get to be more balanced and yeah. I, i don't need to be that benevolent uh like to exaggerate you know and i think this this is very interesting and i'm sure that our listeners can relate as well like we do some things like we exaggerate with some things uh, that may come from uh, insecurities but even uh, behind those insecurities we have something like it may it might be anger or shame or other other things that are inside of us right absolutely and and it, it's uh, you really articulated it well georgian in terms of and that even better than I did in terms of, you know, examining this belief or something that's, that, that highlights something greater. So another, for example, another common world, a very common world um, is the world of hunger. Uh, it's, it's in terms of the research we've done, it's one of the, it's one of the more common worlds, particularly for people who are a little younger. Um, and that is that have to be happy. We have to get what we want. Yeah. Now that sounds kind of, ob- it sounds like, uh, you know, of course um, you do. And, and, and And before I get into the specific kind of way to examine this world, I, I think that that's the perfect world to, to talk about an important concept. And that is that these beliefs do, do lead to happiness and they do lead to jo- feeling of joy. It's very, and it's a very real feeling. Um, the, the problem is that it's, it's, it's a happiness that's very fragile because ultimately it won't last. It's sort of what we call it like a stick, chewing a stick of gum, right? It's very sweet at first but we, there's all kinds of psychological, neurological reasons why it fades over time. Mm-hmm. And, and then we need, we need the next stick of gum and the next stick of gum, right? So, and the world of hunger is a, a, a nice example of that one, a very clean example of that one, because this world, everybody, as everybody enters this world all the time. I enter it all the time. And that is this idea that, you know, I, I, if, I, if I could just have this, I could be at, if I could just get the promotion or that job or that, or that girl or that guy or that house or that car or that rate, whatever it is. And you, and you, and you convince yourself and you believe that if I can just get that, that'll make me happy and you get it and it gives you some joy, but think of how, of how quickly you then move your attention to the next thing that you need uh, and the next thing that you need. And so, um, and again, the world of hunger has been, you know, people have pursued great things and accomplished great things for themselves. Um, but, If it's, if it's, if you fundamentally believe this is what you need to be happy, but then clearly uh, that's risky, right? Because what if you don't get it? True. Then does that mean your happiness, you can't be happy? Well, that's, that's what the belief would tell you, right? And so this is the world of, 
you know, this could plunge you into the world of hell as much as it can pl plunge you into a sense of pleasure or happiness. Um, because fundamentally, you'll eventually lose some of those things, right? You may lose the job that you get. You might get, you know, dumped by the, you know, the significant other that you find. Mm -hmm. uh, something tragic might happen. You know, you might lose your money. The market goes down. Whatever it is. But if you so, if you place your happiness in that in that particular attachment, then you're obviously just as much risk of losing it. And so it's clearly not the answer to how do I have lasting or happiness that lasts. Definitely, definitely. And I believe that this is where gratitude kicks in. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you. i let you continue with this then. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I was. I, I, that's ex exactly where gratitude comes in. I was so funny you'd say that because, yeah. um, because if you think about, uh, the, I think gratitude kicks in nicely in the world of rapture, which mm -hmm. is kind of the mid, the mid world where where it's the belief that your happiness comes from a specific attachment. But let me tell you the difference between, for example, the world of rapture and the world of hunger, while there's other sort of differences, to me, the key difference actually does lie in gratitude. And I didn't think about that, Georgian, until I started reading a little bit and watching some of your podcast. Um, because the, the reason people, um, the world of rapture has a lot of, uh, of joy in it, because people from the world of rapture do a better job than anybody in the lower world of, of kind of gaining happiness from the things they have. Mm -hmm. um, and they're able, so they're able to derive a longer and more sustained sense uh, of enjoyment and, and happiness and joy from the things they have, from their family, from their job, from their car, you know, um, and a lot of that comes from a sense of gratitude. Uh, and recognize, and, and instead of immediately trying to go to the next thing, like the people of, in, in the world of hunger, um, people that are in the world of rapture actually kind of just feel the sense of gratitude toward these things that they have these things, and it helps them enjoy a more sustained type of happiness. Now, look, it can again, the world of rapture is still a delusion because you can lose those things, right? Um, and so the things that gain you the biggest joy could plunge you into the world of hell if you lose them. Uh, somebody dies. I mean, something it could be something tragic or not, but that does not take away from the fact that the amount, the sustainment, and the level of happiness that you can gain from it because of tremendous sense of gratitude is one of the best ways to to uh, extend and enhance the amount of happiness you feel from the things that you have. Spend more time outside with fresh air in your lungs and healthier habits in your schedule by eliminating the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning up after each meal. Stress-free eating is just one click away this spring. Factor's delicious meals range from calorie smart, keto protein plus, to vegan and veggie, and they're ready in just two minutes. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Also, Discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. Head to factormeals.com gratitude50 and use code gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's gratitude50 at factormeals.com gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Definitely, definitely. And uh, in my experience and uh, 
just by by talking with more than a hundred people about gratitude, one of the things that I've I've seen gratitude do for people is that it actually changes the beliefs. You know, the the way we see what we experienced, and sometimes even um, experiences that were very traumatic. Uh, the the fact that they were able to use gratitude constantly to change the the beliefs about what happened actually helped people quite a lot to move on and to uh, to to get to happiness. And that's and that and that fits very nicely with our our uh, model here because the more you can experience, you know, at the end of the day, there's a commonality between all nine worlds and all beliefs and all of these beliefs. And that is that at the core, the, the delusion that, under, that underlies all of them is that your happiness comes from some type of attachment, right? Now, when we think about attachment, we, we often the first thing that comes to mind is something, a physical attachment. But the reality is if you look at each of these worlds, some of them are come from attachments to physical things. Some of them come from attachment to pleasure-seeking, like the world of animality. So it's an attachment to pleasure-seeking. Becoming a magician takes thousands of hours. Right, Ashley? Oh, I'm not a magician. I'm a design specialist at the container store. But you transform closets and pantries. Well, I turn your most frustrating spaces into ones you love. With a magic wand? Uh, with Alpha. Our customizable, adjustable, and affordable shelving and drawer system. The amazing Ashley! Making daily frustration disappear. <laughs> Just doing my job. Transform your space with Alpha and save 20% on purchases over $500. Get started with your free design at the Container Store today. Pleasure through sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that stuff. Um, some of it comes from the attachment to achieving things. We talked about the attachment to avoiding pain um, or attachment to our own ego. Um, once you start getting into the higher worlds, it, it's it, they seem like they're better attachments qualitatively like the belief that i have to create something meaningful or that i have to grow or i have to commit myself to the happiness of others those are still attachments to uh to something form something that you need to accomplish or achieve or do or feel or experience or other people to feel and so what i think gratitude does is allow us to shift our kind of beliefs about these attachments, hang on to them or view them in a slightly different way and allows us to enhance the amount of happiness we can gain from them. So it's kind of like a catalyst almost. It's like an enhancer. Mm -hmm. um, and if, and if you have this overwhelming sense of gratitude, by the way, the, the, the gratitude is one of the things we talk about in the world of enlightenment, which is the, high, you know, the highest world, the tenth world, um, because in a sense, it's a gateway to being able to experience a sense of kind of awe, uh, and which we, as which you know, we read that that's enlightenment is the life condition of awe, the experience of awe. And so, I, I think gratitude fundamentally can transform every one of these beliefs into a slightly different and better and more enduring type of happiness. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, since you mentioned uh, the last world. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And uh, I will have a question about it uh, afterwards. Sure. So the, the difference, so we, the, the life condition of enlightenment, which is uh, what we call the life condition of all, unlike all the other worlds that are based on attachment to, to something, the, the, life con, the life condition of enlightenment is really about perceiving the world in a different way. So it's not about deriving happiness from, from 
uh, something. Um, it's about perceiving the world in a particular way. And if you can, and we argue that the, the entryway into that is to be able to generate a sense of awe. Uh, now we go into the, a lot of this a lot because I think people have thought about enlightenment as this sort of thing for Buddhist monks in Tibet, and and in reality, um, that's not at all how we how we see this, and it's not a mystical thing um, that you know that's that's not available to everybody. We actually spent a lot of time in the book talking about how this is a very very much a neurological phenomenon that has been studied, and everybody who's reported these awakening moments of these experiences of enlightenment have all described it the same way over, you know, hundreds of years across all different cultures. Um, so, but the key belief to it is to be able to see, see the world and experience the world in this, you know, maybe you think about it as this kind of child, childlike awe, like think about the way kids sort of view everything in the world is kind of new and exciting and amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and think how hard it is for adults to sort of, you know, generate that. Very hard for us to see the world in that way. Um, but if you can capture that and sort of bottle it uh, and understand how to experience that, um, then we believe that's going to that's gonna result in a type of happiness that is indestructible, absolute, and can't be destroyed by anything that happens to you or any different, losing any types of attachments. Now, that's not to say that you don't experience pain and joy and all those things. That's absolutely there. This is not about some transient state where you're kind of in this meditative state. In fact, the difference between this and all kinds of things through meditation and flow and all those other concepts are in the world of enlightenment, you're not, there's not this suppression of, of, you know, your consciousness, you know, you're, you're fully there and alert and you're operating in, you know, like anybody else that's walking around, but the way you kind of view the world and the way you experience all these different things is transformed um, in, in that you don't really suffer. The things don't cause this tremendous amount of suffering. You, know, you experience pain, you experience joy, you cry, whatever, but you don't really fundamentally suffer to the point where your happiness is kind of is is diluted. Mm, that's very interesting. And I was, it, you actually anticipated uh, my question because I was curious. So when you get to that uh, to that world to that level, like you still have challenges. Like I've I've talked with people that are. Um, like spiritual leaders or uh, CEOs or multimillionaires and they still have problems even if they are successful or they have reached a certain level from uh, from different points of view so how how does uh, how do these kinds of people that are at that level react to to the problems that uh, they have or might have when you say somebody, when you say somebody who is you believe in the world of enlightenment, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, they the way you would experience those things are, uh, they they sort of are transformed from things that cause you suffering to things that cause you pain, but fundamentally don't diminish the happiness you're feeling. Mm. Maybe you see them things great losses as as opportunities. So, for example, you know it's not uncommon that. Think about the fact that you could have the exact same thing happen to two different people. Um, I saw this all the time as a therapist. For one person, it could really destroy them and send them into the world of suffering. How like somebody loses a spouse or loses a job. Um, for one person, it destroys them and they get depressed. They uh, there's anxiety, there's panic. They don't know what they're going to do, and they just and it destroys them. Other for others, the exact same event can trigger a sense of wow, I can get a better job. I really hated that. That guy was tyrannical. That was holding me back. Like 
it's freeing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with somebody who loses a, loses a, uh, a significant other. For some people, it destroys them. Um, Alex tells the story in our book about, you know, that's, that was his first entry into the world of hell uh, and, and, and the world of enlightenment for him when he lost, you know, the, his, first, his first love sort of uh, ended. Where for other people, um, that experience could lead them to a tremendous amount of self-examination under, you know, in, in terms of themselves or how they can become better or what does that tell them about myself or why did this end or why did this person leave me and it frees them to become better and grow. Well, why? Uh, why would one person, and that comes from, you know, a different beliefs uh, and, mind, and mindsets that they have. Um, and the world of enlightenment is fundamentally about the world where, you know, the, all the, everything that, that happens, it's not about not feeling pain, but it doesn't cause you to suffer and you're able to see it as an opportunity for something, for even greater happiness rather than, a, you know, it plunging into the world of hell. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And do you believe that we can get there? Like, is it a world that's possible for everyone? Yes, we do. And, and uh, you know, when you read about um, it in the chapter, you see that, there's all kinds of interesting different ways in which just over time people have sort of entered this state. Uh, clearly it's a hard state to maintain uh, and it requires us to kind of work and practice. Uh, and, um, and there's still a lot of research to be done on it. Uh, but I, I believe it is a true neurological, psychological state that is available to everybody. Mm-hmm. And what could we do to together? Like, what are some uh, some steps that could lead us to uh, to that world? Well, so so we do talk in there about a few different things to try. Um, that you know, and, and 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 like even meditation and things like that could. But but the what I do is is make a real conscious effort to try to figure to try to kind of find awe and different things around you. Um, and don't take them for granted. There is a lot of research that shows that there's a lot of things in nature um, that induce a sense of awe, uh, and it, it's one of the most common triggers. Um, you know, things that things that are like the Grand Canyon, or even just in the drop of water. Um, but I think that you're trying to focus your mind, your attention, and give yourself the time to try to find sort of the beauty in the world, uh, and the and try to induce that sense of of all for yourself and then and just practice it and see if you're able to sort of release yourself from you know all the things that are burdening you or all the different ways which you think you've seen these things and try to see them in a different way um is one way that you can try to just practice uh not trying to enter get yourself to experience that more and more so for me just try to figure out how you can induce a sense of awe and different things more and more and more and the better you get at that, the more you'll find yourself able to sort of free yourself of other beliefs to kind of weigh you down. Spend more time outside with fresh air in your lungs and healthier habits in your schedule by eliminating the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning up after each meal. Stress-free eating is just one click away this spring. Factor's delicious meals range from Calorie Smart, Keto Protein Plus, to Vegan and Veggie, and they're ready in just two minutes. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks and beverages, 
to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. Head to factormeals.com gratitude50 and use code gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's gratitude50 at factormeals.com gratitude50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Mm, beautiful. And it actually reminded me of my own experience, like how I got to, to create this podcast. And um, it was very similar. So the words were very similar to what you, uh, what you were saying a few minutes ago. Like uh, what I felt when I first um, experienced what I interpreted as being uh, like a wave of gratitude was that I've experienced I was experiencing everything that I was I was seeing around me like it was new like it was the first time when I moved to the city where I live in the first time when I went to the to the apartment where mm. I lived and uh, the pet that I had like I felt uh, the the kind of appreciation and awe for it uh, like I felt the first time that uh, I got it and I, I totally resonate with that and I think it's it's something very similar. And by the way, the, just to, to, to drive that point home, I think trying to uh, think, uh, experience, I think gratitude is another way into this. And I think spending time trying to um, hang on or enjoy or reflect on the things that you, that, you know, the things that are, that you have are the things you're trying to achieve. Um, and, and, and what are the ways that you can gain more enjoyment out of that or see it differently? I mean, one, you know, one trick they talk about is, you know, try to take your mind and, and imagine kind of losing some of those things. Um, and in doing so, uh, you know, and, and take yourself there, and, you know, and that will help you kind of gain a more of a sense of gratitude for the things that you do have. That, that sounds like a simple trick, but it actually works, works very well. Uh, and so, it's not just about finding awe in nature and those things. It's about maybe experiencing gratitude, more gratitude for the things that you have, um, taking the time to slow down and, and, and consider that uh, and consider, you know, what belief that, that you are functioning under that's, ter- that's taking your attention away from feeling gratitude. Because, you know, one of the reason, one of the key reasons that people, um, that enjoyment does not last. If, I mean, if you read our book, we talk a lot about this. The reason the enjoyment and happiness does not last from all these different attachments, literally it sounds simplistic, is that our attention is pulled away from them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're trying to achieve something like a world of hunger, you're, you're fixated on it, you're obsessed. Um, it's occupying your time all the time. And so you're convinced that this thing is going to, I need this. And so it gets your attention. When you get it, you step 10, you're just literally, you pay less attention to it. Um, and so, you know, it, you know, and so I think part of it is it's attention, like give attention to the things that you have, focus on them, you know, and, and it's a, and, and, and remind yourself, you know, and try to generate that sense of awe and gratitude, uh, in those things more and more and more. And that will, I think will help you also, uh, you know, be less gripped by some of these other delusions. Yeah, I, I love that. But to be honest, I, I haven't been able to do this exercise with uh, imagining how it would be without different things. Like, uh, I get scared a little bit about this, to, to be honest. Like, it's 
whew, it's really uh, at at the edge of my comfort zone somehow. Yeah, no, I so I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. But that's actually, but it's in that uncomfort that you that you. First of all, think about sometimes why you might get emotional. If you think about losing your greatest thing, if you think about like what it would be like if something happened to my wife or my kids, it's tough. It's tough, right? You can even start getting emotional. Like, like literally, I've come to tears thinking about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I'll. I'll um. Uh. Uh. Um. But um. But it. But it, but honestly, it was. It was powerful. Um. Because of that, I mean, just be, just imagine, just because of the thought of it can bring you um, to that kind of emotion or even a lack of comfort with it. That that that's that's a great way to generate why exactly you should feel tremendous amount of gratitude. Mm. Because the power, mm. you know, the, the emotion, the fact that you can't even confront the emotion of losing it should be the you know the exact reason why you should derive that much gratitude from the things that you do have. So it's, it's, it made, it's so nice that you would sort of reveal that. And then you got me to say that. So um, uh, it's in those difficult little emotional tricks that you see the power of your beliefs to have over you um, and the power that you have to change them if you want. Yeah. And another thing that happened right now, I, I was trying to do that again with you. And um, it was so interesting that, it actually got me to to experience that emotion like it got me to to feel it more and to to not just think about the things that i appreciate about a certain person but to actually feel you know like it was something much deeper and it, it's so interesting <laughs> so yeah. yeah thank you thank you for doing this with me sure this was great yeah so um we're nearing the, the end of our time together and I wanted to ask you where can our audience find your book? So a couple of things. So first of all, if you want to quickly find out what world you might come from, we have a little self-assessment you can do that takes like three minutes. Oh, great. Uh, and, yeah, if you go to the 10 uh, there's a tab that says assessment. If you go there, it'll just, it'll take you through like 20 questions and it will tell you what world we, you know, we think you come from. It's been a very interesting exercise when people do that. Uh, it's been very illuminating, um, and and if you go there, we can also we can also link to the book. But of course, it's available on Amazon and Barnes Nobles, and sort of where all books you know are sold. You can grab it. Uh, you can grab it anywhere. It's uh, it, it's it's pretty much on all um, in all online bookstores. Awesome, awesome. So thank you so much for being here with us. The book once again, if you want to search for it on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, it's the Ten Worlds. The New Psychology of Happiness. Thank you so much, Ash, for being here with us. And if you have a final message for our listeners. No, this, I, thanks for letting me be here. Uh, our goal in this is to have everybody be able to pursue and uh, live happier lives that are an experience of happiness that's more enduring. So that's our mission. And I'm glad you're, you're helping us uh, spread the word. Definitely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, Georgian. Hey, Gratitude Seeker. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview. I really appreciate it. And if you could think of one person that would also benefit from it, share it with them. It might actually be the inspiration that they need to make their day or maybe even their life much better. Thank you so much once again. This has been Georgian Benta. Don't forget to keep seeking and spreading gratitude. Are you experiencing more lack in your life than you used to? 
Unfortunately, some things are not in our control, but we can control how we see them. Join me on a seven-week journey from lack to abundance through gratitude. Go to georgianbenta.com slash abundance course. That's georgianbenta.com slash abundance course to join me now. Are you experiencing more lack in your life than you used to? Unfortunately, some things are not in our control, but we can control how we see them. Join me on a seven-week journey from lack to abundance through gratitude. Go to georgianbenta.com slash abundance course. That's georgianbenta.com slash abundance course to join me now.